This is DevHops, the podcast that usually covers all things software development, testing, operations, and anything around application modernization. But today's episode is around the modernization of training, or more specifically, the modernization of how business views training and how trainers can avoid ROI overpromising. This episode was recorded live at the Training 2016 conference in Orlando, Florida, with workforce revolutionary author and president of Central Knowledge Inc., Ajay Pangarkar. Ajay presented a session titled Management's Real ROI, Capitalizing E and M Learning Investments. It was the first session I attended at the show, and his message stuck with me for the entire week. Skytap's Sudesh Gurdhari and I were lucky to get the chance to sit down with Ajay immediately after his session concluded, and today's show is the conversation the three of us had together. This is our second training-focused episode of DevHops. Look out for more in the future, and don't worry, we'll still be recording plenty on software delivery as well. Thanks so much for joining us. This is DevHops. My background, uh, as I mentioned, is in accounting. Um, yeah. And um, okay, uh, it's in accounting and first in accounting. So I'm a CPA yeah. uh, by uh, training. So I'm a professional legal accountant. And I'm not sure I should brag about that too, yeah. too much, but um, then no, probably people are going to turn off. Don't throw that people out are going to turn us recording and yeah. say, "Oh God, an accountant's talking." Okay, yeah. let's get we'll out of here. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that out. Okay, uh, I don't see myself as a traditional accountant per se. I'm a business strategist, business professional. Yeah. So, uh, my first degree is actually in finance. So, and I went on to do um, a lot of work in that area, uh, and I worked in as a director of a division in companies. And I told a story in a session about, um, you know, I guess we'll get to this in the conversation about as a director when I'm sending my employees to training and they're coming back doing nothing. Yeah. Um, why am I spending my money on this? Yeah. Right? They might as well just sit the there. Why am I just? They just might as well sit there and do nothing, and I'll yeah. save my money because the money's coming out of budget. Yeah. Until you prove to me that it's valuable, what I'm buying is changing my life here. Um, so I went on and do. I did a graduate degree in adult education, and I combined both. So okay. that's the short, the cliff note version of uh, bringing the two together. Wow. Well, the point being is that you know, and the thing is, my my I guess what gets under my skin a little bit is this training ROI movement. Because as an accounting professional, and if you anybody who's listening has a background as an MBA or any type of finance background, knows that there's strict rules around accounting, around finance. Yeah. And business leaders are, like I said in the session, they're formally trained to think this way. So um, when you toss the word investment out there or return on investment, their wheels start turning one way and we're pitching it another way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not listening. When we say return on training, they're not thinking about financial return. And I've been using this in the session the $1 in is not the $2 out. That's not what they're expecting from training. Right. That's, and, and, and the problem is that we've been brainwashing the, the training space to think that every dollar we put in has to produce $2 out yeah. or more. Yeah. And that's not what leaders are expecting. And that's, and that's a big problem here. Okay. So what, where I'm coming from is basically in the short, the short form of it is I want people to understand that, you know, return, the word return is not about financial mm-hmm. in training. It's about what is it contributing to the improvement of the business? Yeah. Or improvement of performance objectives. Yeah. Because um, I was speaking with Noel earlier, and we're a cost center. Yeah. So uh, as a cost center, you know, uh, you know, we said this before. Marketing is a cost center. Um, uh, finance is a cost center. Believe it or not, people might be surprised listening to this, but finance is a cost center. Yeah. Training is a cost center. Cost centers are not expected to be measured on return on investment financially. So that's the bit of thing that we were talking about this morning, and and. Um, 
and, and that's what troubles me. That's what keeps me up at night. So that's interesting because, you know, I think one of the challenges that uh, technology projects face, any technology project, is that they're split into long-term and short-term sort of investments. And, you know, when you look at a radical platform transformation, right, I'm going to move from platform X to platform Y, right? And, you know, often the value drivers for that are sort of immediate capital savings, right? Yeah. But, so to speak from financial terms. But when you think about training and the perspective of having short, medium, and long-term impacts, right? Certainly, you know, when you're talking about immediate ROI, I need to become compliant in this area in order to meet, the, you know, the letter of this law. That's that's kind of a, a given, right? In order to do business, yeah. you have to do yeah. that. That's a, yeah. But I think you're talking about more kind of strategic and, and operational training outcomes that may lengthen the time of, of sort of payback and value because are, are you speaking to to the idea that you know anybody who's attending sort of that training session is going to have an outcome that would would better the business it, it, I guess I, I, I'd be okay. interested to hear yeah, yeah. how you're thinking yes. about it so yeah let me let me just share today is getting a little convoluted yeah training is not just training anymore in the good old days you would be sent to a session uh, you would be sent to a session and uh, you sit there and listen to some guy or person yeah. rant about something, and, and hopefully you go back to your desk and learn. Now, that still happens, by the way. We got yeah. e-learning that does that yeah, now for eight hours, happens, and, yeah. and so in, rather than a person, now you're watching a computer and do that for eight hours. Yeah. Um, but you have to separate. There's two things that are happening: the, con the convolutedness. One is you have to separate the actual training activity. Yep. So the actual learning activity that's separated out. For business leaders, that's seen as a line expense. They don't see anything worth more as far as accounting purposes or financial accountability, but a line expense. But then you have, of course, in the last few decades, we have all this technology that's come about. So we have LMSs, we have mobile learning you know, tablets and computers, and, yeah. and all this investment that goes into the training department now becomes tangible investments. Mm -hmm. So when you start about talking about return investment, now we start thinking about, okay, training is an expense, it's a cost, it happens for the moment, it's done. Yeah. The results from training may last for a few years or whatever, a, few, a, a period of time, and people are applying these skills, but it's not accounted anywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's ethereal, right? It's, 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 it's out there. If I tell you something today and I charge you for it, yeah. you pay me, you may use it a week or month or a year from now, yeah. Okay, but you know what I'm saying? It's 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 not it's not tangible. That's interesting because I, I think there is an accounting method that does um, take it into effect. And I want to say it was introduced by someone in about 2001 or 2002. When I when I was going through and doing my um, my MBA, I recall hearing about an accounting Robert method. Yeah, yeah. That does take yes, this does value. He does. And so what what is what is that and what does that measure? Okay, we'll get to that in a second because okay, gotcha. that's a, that's a little more. If, you, if people want to get bored now with that, well, we can we can get right into that. But um, look up Robert Kaplan, you'll yeah, find out what's good. up. Uh, <laughs> Doctor Robert Kaplan. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of which, uh, is is. Uh, his partner in crime, um, Dr. David Norton, yeah. wrote a forward to our book. Oh, um, wow. The Bounce nice. Card. Yeah, yeah okay. so. Um, they're the co-founders of the Bounce Scorecard, so the two of yeah, them. That's, so. uh, yeah, yeah. At, at the end of the day. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, so training is one thing, that's a line expense. And I'm talking from an accounting perspective or yeah, a finance yeah. perspective, from a business from, leader's perspective, okay? Yeah. But then you have all this equipment. Now, equipment for leaders is an investment. It's called a capital investment. And as a capital investment, and I just heard you said MBA, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. A capital investment, it has to contribute to the profitability organization over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And so now when we're investing in computers or 
in LMSs or in software or in, in major training infrastructure projects, then that part becomes an accounting-based uh, return on investment measurement. Okay. But not the way we look at it as far as the training ROI measures it. We're talking about actual net present value calculations or cost volume, um, cost volume profit measurements or internal rate of return measurements. All these measurements are based because these equipment, just like this building that we're sitting in, or um, you know, um, any, any equipment, a computer system a computer a company buys, it's all not meant to make a profit directly correlated to the business, but indirectly, right? We're sitting in this building for Disney, yeah. but this, this is not printing money for the company. Mm-hmm. We rent it, we whatever, but it's contributing something to the, to the business over time. Right. Um, your desk that we're sitting at, the tables we're sitting at, these are all capital investments, but they're not expected to make money. Got you know it. what I'm saying? Do you understand yeah. just a little bit of difference? Yeah. So that's what we're confusing. So number one, training is an expense. Capital investment side is getting more convoluted, and that's where the, the training um, space is getting a little confused about what they mean by return on investment. Okay. So we have to start calculating the major investments as capital investments, okay. just like every other accounting aspect. Yeah. But the training always remains an expense, yeah. and that's a bit of a difference. You can't account for that. Yeah. And I'm not saying, and people take it, they really screw up my words because they take it wrong. They say, well, you know, um, Ajay, you're saying that training is not important. I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. These leaders know training is important. Yeah. You, uh, we're sitting here, and the leading companies in the world right now, Apple, Google, you know, yeah. Facebook, they're all knowledge-driven organizations. Yeah. These, these companies don't have, well, maybe Apple, but these companies don't have tangible assets like General Electric or uh, Walmart. These companies have knowledge assets. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling me that they don't believe in training and learning, you're, you, people are just completely wrong. They won't. Their business would not exist without it. But they can't account for all that knowledge they have. They, they, there's nowhere on the balance sheet that all that knowledge is valued. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that I'm writing about, by the way, is how our accounting system was built for the industrial revolution, not, not the knowledge. The, yeah. That's, that's a and, common topic, actually, yeah. in today's accounting. Yeah. It can, we're just always talking about that. But yeah. anyways, I, I, I might be going down a, a rabbit hole here. I was going to say one thing that I'm excited about this show and kind of hearing more about in general is, and I'm guilty of this too, is a lot of times people talk about training and and e-learning specifically and how it enables you to uh, reach more people. Uh, It enables you to train more people faster. It enables you to scale globally and and start training where otherwise you weren't able to go train, you know, people halfway across the world and now you can do it very quickly. And so, like I said, I myself write a lot about how e-learning is one of their biggest, uh, uh, I guess, qualities of it is that you can, you know, reach more people yeah. but again we're not just talking about reaching more people it's being able to train more effectively have those results from training last a lot longer mm-hmm. because again if, yeah. if, if if the finance department doesn't care necessarily about well we were able to train 10 times more people well if none of those people came back and did anything with that training that didn't that didn't really help yeah, you are we going back to butts and seats kind of thing that's what we're looking at metric again and that doesn't count right right we've been preaching that you know butts and seats is not a relevant metric yeah okay but we're trying to convince to your point we're putting e-learning, we're reaching more people. Technically, that's butts and seats. Mm-hmm. I mean, so um, e-learning is not about returning. It's not about the vehicles. And I, I'm really struggling with my peers here because we're always talking about the vehicles. Yeah. It's about the learning transfer. Mm-hmm. It's about how do we get the knowledge to them, but how do they use the knowledge? Right. Not about if we're putting it on a computer or if I'm talking to you or if I have somebody in front of class or whatever it may be. The vehicle is the way to facilitate that process. Mm-hmm. But it's not the learning itself, and that's the, the the problem that I have with all this. Is that, and the problem with e-learning for me, anyways, uh, we we like to preach how great this is, and we can reach more people, and it's virtual, but we still are taking our bad habits from instructor-led learning and transferring them onto a laptop. 
Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what's the difference if I sit before somebody for eight hours a day listening to them or I sit before a computer for eight hours a day? That's not e-learning to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so a computer just replaces somebody else. That's not e-learning. E-learning is to your point. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I now access this knowledge when I need it, how I need it, where I need it, how can I apply this learning immediately? Mm-hmm. Now, this whole movement right now, and you guys know about it, is... Uh, Sorry, is micro learning, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then of course the trend of gamification and all this kind of stuff. Now I have my opinions on some of this. So I won't get into it, but micro learning is kind of interesting. Um, it, it used to be called on-demand learning, yeah. where you would access learning when you need it, where you need it. Yeah. Which is you know, uh, which I think is some of the stuff that you do. That's right? exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you know that kind of stuff really, to me, is interesting because it's pull, it's not push. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's fantastic because I'm going to need to. YouTube is an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you renovated anything in your house? What's the first thing you did? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I thought about not doing it. And then, yeah, secondly, I, yeah. So, well, you don't have the option. Your wife starts talking to you about um, renovating something. Yeah, but this is fun. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you, you know, you bring this up because we, uh, my wife and I, run a um, an RV rental company. Oh, and, I want to uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, it's an interesting side project that we started a couple years back because you know we have two young children, a three year old and a five year old. And when we're doing, when you try to do a road trip, you know, for any amount of time and keep your sanity as a parent, it's a challenge. Um, and uh, so. You know, getting an RV is having the worst of two worlds. It's having an automobile and a house, and you're moving it constantly, right? So the result of that is things break that you didn't even think existed, right? Like, you know, well, who knew that there was a separate, you know, a separate power system for the the coach versus a separate power system for the interior, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, YouTube is the pull resource that gives you, you know, that advantage, and um, and, and frequently, so SkyTap, you know. It really is this platform that allows you to, to, to put anything you want into an instructor-led or a virtual virtual training course, and it really causes some um, uh, some some really big challenges to come up because people are doing things that you never thought they would do because they could take something like an SAP environment, yeah. an entire ERP system, and stuff it into SkyTap and say, "Yeah, we want somebody to be able to pull that resource, right?" And so. Um, and only learn about these specific things. I only need to know about the database connection, or I only need to know about the web UI connection, or you know whatever it is that they need. Um, and so it causes it causes some really interesting, um, I think, value drivers to be seen. Right? We have employees who really need to do this thing and do it extremely well in order to have the customer outcome we want. Yeah. Or we, you know, we don't really want the employees to be able to do these things, but we do want them to, do, to, to be able to do that. So, you know, I'd be interested from from a micro learning standpoint. You know, what what do you think about the um, the value drivers and in how ROI should be thought about there? Because that's a that's kind of a different way to think about things. You know, I love micro learning. Okay. Um, I don't like the term micro learning per se because I think it's it's dumbs it down too yeah, much. I think it's, it's like on, on it's on yeah, it's on demand learning, I think yeah. personally. And and um, I think uh, one thing that our, our peers can learn is that, especially when you're developing courses, to make it in that on demand context, to your point, mm-hmm. uh, what uh, what SkyTap does and all that, it's it's very important to be able to access the learning when you need it, where you need it. I think mm-hmm. the ROI is quite immediate. If you want to talk about ROI as far as not financially but the return and the benefit to say level three, mm-hmm. you know, the applications or job. You can see that immediately. I mean, you know, if I'm struggling working on, on, 
you know, I work with Excel a lot, yeah. especially in uh, like, gosh, yeah. okay. So, you know, and I, I was trained in Excel and advanced Excel, but I don't remember half the stuff. I mean, I sat in these week-long courses, right? That was a course. Somebody invested in building this Excel course, whoever it was, yeah. and I sat for a week. It was several weeks, right? And the last week was the advanced macro functions yeah, yeah, or whatever crap, macro, you know, yeah. pivot tables and all this kind of crap. Now, I can say safely that I have a certificate standing wall saying that I went through this. If I can say safely right now, do a pivot table, I'm going to go, oh, crap. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know where to start. So what do I do? Uh-huh. I go somewhere. I go to Google, yeah. <laughs> my favorite person right, right now. Yeah. I go to Google and say, how do I do a pivot table? Yeah. Right? And then I'll click on the video tab, find out all the videos on it. Right? And then and I look for the video that's two minutes yeah. or a minute or three minutes, not the one that's 20 minutes, yeah. the one that's two minutes. And I go to, okay, this is going to tell me what I need to do. And I'm going to fast forward that little yeah. bar on the bottom to find a point every so often to what he's talking about or she's talking about where I'm going to need the information. And as soon as I get that glimpse of information, I close it down and go and do it. Now think if we did that with all our training courses. Yeah. I mean, think about the power. I mean, I know we can't do it everything, but 80% of the damn courses out there, sorry for swearing, but 80% of the courses out there um, can be on-demand learning. It can yeah. be, it can be can micro be learning. To the point where they're, yeah, that's a good point. Why aren't we doing that? I mean, yeah. there's a 20% or 25% that, of course, have to have formal training, whether it's you know, safety training or, um, or you know, compliance training or whatever it is. Yeah. But, but even that, I mean, I, I worked back in the day, I hate to admit this, but I was 17 years old, I worked at Burger King. Yeah. And um, I hope uh, so your young, young listeners are understanding what I'm about to say here because it's a bit of a foreign language. But we had uh, a VCR and videotapes. Yeah. And they put me into this little closet of a cubicle or whatever in the back of the restaurant, said, here's 10 tapes, yeah. here's the VCR, it was a TV and a VCR, <laughs> watch them all. You're going to be here eight hours, just watch one after another, right? And then they made me sign off a sheet. If they asked me what was on tape one after I went through tape 10, I would not remember. Yeah. But I signed off on a sheet anyways. Okay, so I signed off on compliance training or safety training, but it doesn't mean I actually learned anything. Yeah. But to our point is that if they gave me a micro-learning concept that I can actually apply, or actually even showed me at the fryer of how to empty oil from the fryer, or whatever the case may be, that's micro-learning. That's immediate learning and 80% of learning should be that way nobody needs to know the history of oil in an oil fryer or how the oil fryer came about yeah who gives a crap yeah. all I need to know is that it fries my french fries and this is the temperature it has to be and this is when the oils have to be changed yeah that's really what it is but I'm using it as an example right the right. ROI is actually immediate and when I say ROI it's not financial if I put well here to your point uh, Sudesh you know if I'm gonna put money into micro learning yeah. the cost is significantly lower yeah Significantly, the investment is significantly lower. So first of all, the selling the pitch to the leaders is like a no-brainer. Second, I put the thing in, and they're actually learning something. So I can prove now the return is that they're actually doing it. I've got my level three objectives. You know, that's, what's what's interesting about that point is I, I have a background in ITEL and um, Six Sigma um, because I, in a former life I did a lot of service management activities, and it would be even great if you could first first review the you know the incident logs the error logs and the frequently asked questions before you implemented the micro learning strategy so that you could connect those points right especially since most of these organizations have that sort of tracking system anyways um, to to kind of get the relevant information out so that's a that, that's a really interesting um, way to look at it well to your point I mean I, I I don't know if we, I think we probably talked about this before the recording, and I talked about it in session, but uh, the yeah. work we did with Apple, that was micro-learning. They don't, they, well, back in the day, it was just 2005. I don't think they called it micro-learning, yeah. whatever. But, cool. So, yeah. you know, Steve Jobs comes down to the department and says to, uh, actually says to um, 
consumer reports. Consumer yeah. reports came to them. Came to them and said, "We're never. We're not making you number one in customer service." Of course, we know the reputation of Steve Jobs, right? Yeah. Nothing is impossible. So what Steve Jobs does, we're going to become number one in customer service. Yeah. But for most companies, when you say become number one or become best in customer service, the first thing that comes to their head is, well, we're going to greet the customers more politely. Yeah. For Steve Jobs, it was, how do we make sure that when the customer calls in, well, first of all, we want 100% no call in. That was yeah. his philosophy. Yeah. Think about that. Just, just wrap your mind around that. Steve Jobs said to the, the uh, Apple Care Department, we want nobody to call in for support. Mm -hmm. okay. Unrealistic, but that's his goal. Yeah. Okay. So he knows it's unrealistic, but so we have to get close to zero calls as possible, which means that we have the ones that we're going to get in, we want to make them exceptionally happy. So go back to your, your example of looking at the logs and looking at all these kind of things. Very microscopically, he's like, where are our customer care people weak in? Yeah. Like, what are they unable to answer? Yeah. And what are the most common questions that come in from, from support? What is happening in each of these products? And let's target those things and yeah. make those people better. And let's not throw them before an e-learning course or an instructor-led course. Let's actually sit with them and coach them, throw them whatever, you know, mentor them. Um, you know, sit with Sudesh for, you know, 10 minutes and show them actually how to do it rather than waste my money into a week-long training course on how to use an iPhone. Right. Right? Maybe you just need to know how to turn it on. I mean, yeah. that's the only thing. But you know what I'm saying? So to what we're talking about, that's your level three, level four objectives right there in a nutshell. Yeah, and for some reason in this business that we're in, the training, training and development business, we like to overthink this stuff. I'm not sure why. And you know what's interesting that I haven't heard you talk about though is that training and development is based on a revenue model, right? And the 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 revenue model often is better to sell a comprehensive training course than a point training solution, which includes a lot of other support issues, right? So I'll give you an example. Same thing. If I'm a third party and I'm responsible for delivering content and training for uh, an individual and, and I come in and I just, and I look at the way I would, my revenue model works, right? Revenue model one, I get 50, I get 50 subscriptions, right? For a 12 month period or revenue model two, I get what? 180 micro subscriptions for a 12 month period, right? Those micro subscriptions require a lot more upkeep, a lot more overhead, and a lot more, um, I think, diligence in, 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 in the end, right? Because you truly have to understand the end. Right? Yeah, no, but, uh, but, but that's true. Well, no, even from an internal perspective, it's more expensive. True. Yeah, okay. you're, you're talking about model, like, I think the flip side of your discuss yeah. the discussion here is, is that, and I'll tell you the the reason I came to this conclusion is that there's also it, funny enough it's so many par parallels in this discussion in um, in in the the platform world and in the SkyTap world there's this new new thing called microservices so they're, what they're doing is they're disbanding all these old mainframe and x86 systems and they're like well instead of having a service that looks up all the address and profile information for a customer let's have it just look up a phone number. Right. So then, how many services do you have to call? Right. So the, the same problems happening. Oh well, now we have to call eighty services to get that that correct profile. And the you know the flip side of this is there is some there's some overhead support in in other I think aspects that would would have to be reviewed. You know, and and I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, you're right. I mean, there is, but if I can prove immediately the level three, level four impact to the business, so it's in the Apple example I gave, yeah. right? They became, their level four was going to run a customer service. And they actually had the metrics around it. Like yeah. They had the performance metrics. But while it does cause more um, detail and maybe more overhead to support this kind of stuff, it actually also at the same time eliminates all the redundancy and the waste. 
It's true. So I think it does offset it a bit. I'm there not saying is. it's perfect, but yeah. I'm saying there's an offset where I'm, you know, you know, I don't need to, to, to show you why customer service is important. I just need you to make sure that you're able to serve the customer better. Right. Right. And so that redundancy and that waste that I would spend, you know, I don't know, 40 hours building that part of that course is no longer needed. Yeah. Mind you, flip side to your point, because I'm making them more granular and more specific, I'm going to be now investing it. So I think it's more of how we're allocating and investing our resources and time better yeah. than actually just trying to do everything. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, that's my two cents worth. Um, I call it, uh, in the session I said, I call it a, either shotgun approach or a sniper approach. Yeah. I like the sniper approach. No, it's true. Because shotgun approach, you spray, spray and pray, right? You yeah. just put it out there and it, you get a you lot of holes. And you, you, chances you will hit something. Yeah. Uh, you'll hit everything. Yeah. And great. But you got that one target, but you hit everything else. Yeah. Rather than you just wanted to hit that one target. So that's, that's sort of my perspective on it. But, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that I have the solution. I'm just saying let's... Let's start thinking this through a bit. Let's start. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start being a little more reasonable. There's a lot of great tools. There's SkyTap. There's a lot of great things out there. We live in a technology age. We should not be making things more complicated. We should be making things simpler. You and I sit here with our phones and our computers and our laptops and our tablets with apps on them. Yeah. That is meant to make. That's again micro learning. I mean, we just access something with a tap of a screen, and we get our things done and we learn something out of it. Why are we doing that more uh, in training? And why are we making it more convoluted than it should be? At the end of the day, I mean, uh, there's no holy grail to the solution. And of course, let me just share, I mean, in our businesses, a lot of people with vested interest in their own methodologies. Yeah, yeah. I won't out people here, but yeah. I, I want to caution people, and I say this, I don't come with a methodology. Yeah. All, my, all my writings and everything I write about in my articles and my books is all based on actual business facts and, and premises. Yeah. It's not made up by Ajay. Yeah. But a lot of people out there in our business have made up their own methodologies. Yeah. Um, and so you have to question. It's like, you know, I use the example. It's like, it's like the Colombian... Yeah, it's like the Colombian coffee growers say, guess what? If you drink two cups of coffee a day or three cups of coffee a day, you're going to live longer. Yeah. Sponsored by the Colombian coffee growers, right? Well, hello, let's think about who's pitching these methodologies and training and telling them it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but who's it coming from? So you have to ask that. And, and anyways, I'm sorry, I'm going a bit of on a rant here and a little bit of a passion, but uh, I, I mean, I hope that people, you know, think about this. Uh, I don't know if you want anything, Noel, or... Well, I was going to say that just, I think that's, possibly a good place to, to wrap it up, but I was going to say that, you know, the one thing you mentioned very early on in your session was that, that business leaders, you know, that they're trained in business school to, uh, not to increase revenue, but to reduce cost. Yeah. And so it's kind of what we've been talking about here today is that, you know, that, that maybe the first way to impress your business leader or to, to get that buy-in is by showing you can reduce cost, not by going in and promising the world that you're going to be able to immediately increase revenue. Number one, it might not be true, and number two, they, they might not even buy it. Can I add to that? Sure. Okay. Well, the reducing cost is, is basically this. It's simple. We're trained you know, in business. If you, if you go to any BCom or MBA program, your first thing that's on your head is not increasing revenues, it's cutting costs. So we got that on the table. But when trainers get training professionals get asked that question, what's going to cost us, they think they're being attacked. They get defensive, and they're saying, well, you think it's too much, or... You don't want to do it at all. That's not the question. The question is that, can you do it more effectively for a lesser cost? Can you find another way of doing it? If you say no, they're not going to get annoyed with that, but prove to them what the outcome is going to be for that cost. If you say, no, I can't reduce the cost, okay, what's it going to do for me? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be at any cost level, so that's the other thing. And of course, the other one I like, um, I, it's going to be an inspiration for my next article. But wait, there's more. Right. The infomercial. We love doing that in training. Do stop 
I'm going to tell trainers, stop doing that. Stop over-promising and under-delivering. Yeah. We're like the infom midnight infomercial. But wait, there's more. I got more for you. You don't believe that? I got more for you. We got to stop that. Such a great conversation. Ajay's financial background and dedication to professional training makes him such an awesome resource for business and training leaders looking for better ways to see eye to eye. And if you're interested in learning more from Ajay, please visit centralknowledge.com. There are loads of articles, videos, links to Ajay's books, and more. This wraps up our coverage of Training 2016, and from a content perspective, I think we killed it. Two podcasts recorded live on-site, a byline posted in Training Magazine, the on-site announcement of our new partnership with Blackboard, not to mention the awesome conversations we had off the record with other attendees in the expo. SkyTap will be at the Learning Solutions Conference in a couple of weeks, also in Orlando, so stick around the SkyTap blog for our live coverage from that event as well. This is Noel Worst with another episode of DevHops. We'll see you next time.